Maybe seated church. Good morning. Everyone doing well? I hope so. I love singing that song. Uh, he brings uh, spring out of winter. He brought spring out of winter a little sooner this year, didn't he? I mean, it's 80 degrees this weekend. It's February. I love it. Anybody enjoy the beautiful weather? I don't want to be that guy that talks about weather from the stage, but it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful weekend. I hope you're enjoying the spring-like weather. Holland Chapel, I just have to tell you, it's a joy to be with you this morning. It really is. I know I say that every week, but I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I love worshiping with you, and I pray each of you are doing well. But as we sung this morning, there are going to be highs, there are going to be lows, and if you find yourself in one of those lows in this particular season, I pray that you feel the Spirit of God because He's near you, and He loves you, and He's going to help you. Today, as a church, I want to, I want to share with you uh, the heart of your pastors. I hope you know that every week, every series, everything that we do is, is, from, is from our heart being, being led by the Spirit of God. I hope you know that. I hope you trust that. hope you believe that. What I want to do over the next several weeks is speak from the heart of your pastors as to where we're at right now as a church. Not that going through the book of Genesis wouldn't be beneficial. Not that working through James or, or this series or that series would be beneficial. But, but I really want to speak to us as to where we are right now as a church. Do you feel like that the Lord is blessing Holland Chapel? I do too. I'm glad we feel the same. I'm so glad. So I want to speak to us over the next several weeks with this mindset. I think it's, it's a title slide. This is the name of the series. It's called Staying Focused in a New Season. Staying Focused in a New Season. Now you might be wondering, what, what new season are we in? What, what are you talking about, Pastor? I feel like not only are we in it right now, but we've been in it, church, for, for some time. God is bringing Holland Chapel along in a, in, in a very wonderful, fruitful, awesome season. And, and I, I don't know about you, but I am blown away by God's favor. I, I'm, I'm humbled by God's favor. And, and I'm so thankful that God is doing and using Holland Chapel. Right now, people, people are being saved here at Holland Chapel. Not a blessing. People are being baptized at Holland Chapel. We had one of the largest baptism services that we've ever had just a month or so ago. God's, God's blessing. People are being saved. People are being baptized. Disciples are growing in knowledge and likeness of Jesus. We can praise Him for that. Not only for initial life change in salvation, but disciples are growing they're looking more like Jesus. And because they're looking more like Jesus, they're sharing their faith, and, and more people are coming to faith in Jesus. That's something to be excited about. So many are taking part in the vision of Holland Chapel. Right now, church, there's almost 30 people behind me upstairs in membership class. Amen to that? We've not had a membership class over the last two years that's had less than 20 people in it. Like God is blessing. His, his hand, His favor is on Holland Chapel. And it's no secret, a few weeks ago, we, we shared the vision 
uh, that we, we hope takes place with a new facility. We're, we're, we're out of room. Well, our, our facilities are outdated, and we just we, we, need, we need more space. We, we need nicer things. Can I just say it like that? Can you say it like that? You're okay with that? And, and so I don't want this series to be presumptuous, that your pastors know how the vote's going to go in a few weeks. But, but I believe we're, we're such a unified church and, and that so many of you want to see progress, want, want to see more happen, that that vote's going to go well, that, that we as a church are going to get behind the vision uh, of building. So again, I'm not being presumptuous, but I feel like things are going to continue to go well. And so what I want this series to be is proactive, not reactive. I want to teach us what to do in a new season. How do we handle all that God is is doing? How do we make sure that we stay focused in the new season? Whatever the new season brings, are you ready for it? Whatever it is, how do we stay focused in what God's going to do? No doubt about it, church, if we decide to move forward with the building project, that will be a monumental task. And we have to stay focused, don't we? We've got to stay focused as a church. So I want to use an illustration. I, I got to admit to you, I run down some weird rabbit holes. You ever done that? I love to be full of useless knowledge. My wife tells me all the time, why do you, why do you know that? I don't know, honey. I, either I'm a genius or I, I just like weird stuff. I like, to, I like to study and learn weird things. And so here lately, and I'm so thankful God's going to use it, I've been on a Mount Everest kick. I don't know why. Do, does anybody in here know personally someone that has attempted to climb Everest or that has actually been successful? Anybody in here? Look, not a person in here. So if you want to know about it, you got to research it. And so I did. I researched Everest. All about Everest. It's a wonderful, wonderful uh, adventure. If that's if that's your thing, I want I want to show a picture on the screen. There he there he is. I really don't know who that is, but he's on he's on the top of Mount Everest. That mountain is almost thirty thousand feet high. If you climb Everest and you make it to the top, you're climbing where commercial jets are flying. Think about that. Like that, that's way up there. Human life cannot sustain that height. You just can't happen. He's got an oxygen mask on. Like you can't live up there. It's impossible. And in my research of looking at Everest, I found out that that you are 40 times, listen to that stat, 40 times more likely to reach the summit with a God service. Not only just reach the summit, but not die trying. Like, you, you, you need help to get to the top of Mount Everest. And even with help, just this last year alone was one of the deadliest years in, in uh, the, the climbing season. Over 20 people lost their lives trying to climb Mount Everest. Like, it's a feat to reach the top. It's a big business, too. Over $100,000 if you want to uh, use an expedition service to reach the top. Over $100,000. you got to be rich to want to climb to the top. Why am I telling you a story about Everest? It's near impossible to reach the top, to reach your goal, 
without the help of a guide. Can't do it. These expedition services, they go before you. They set up camps in these stages as you're climbing. At each stage, there's, there's food, there's supplies, there's oxygen. They, they go before you to, to map the route. They make sure that their clients are going in the safest way possible, whatever that is. They anchor the ropes. They make sure that, that you, can, you can get there, that you'll have a safe passage. You, you cannot make it to the top without somebody that's gone before you. You with me? We cannot get there, church, without relying on the one that's gone before us. We can't do it. Who's gone before us? Jesus. Church, I want to, it's going to be on the screen. I want you to, I want you to write this down. I want you to, to file it in your memory. The church is led by Jesus. I want us to hang on to that. The church, His church, is led by Him. He's the guide. He goes before. He knows the way. And He'll make a way. The church is led by Jesus. We've already read it. I'm going to read it again. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. Christ is the head of the church, which is His body. Christ is over the church. Ephesians goes on and talks about that husband-wife relationship that, that, that Christ is head of the church, as husband is head of the house. Like, like Christ is over it all. And we need to make sure that as Holland Chapel, I can't speak for other churches, but we need to make sure as Holland Chapel, we understand who's the boss. We need to make sure that we know that Jesus is over His church. So yes, I want this to be kind of a humble pie moment for Holland Chapel. It's easy for a church to look at growth. It's easy for a church to look at success and become puffed up with pride a little bit. Make no mistake, the favor that we are experiencing is because of God and God alone. Jesus is the head of the church. This thing that we call church I want us to, to be real clear. It's, it's, not about, it's not about us. It's not about our desires. It's not about our wishes. It's not about our wants. It's, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. And it's always been about Jesus, and it'll always be about Jesus. We have to make sure, that's the reason it's right out of the gate, that Jesus is over the church. Like, like He leads the church. He He's the one in control. We, we cannot lose sight of that. But not only does He lead His church, listen to me, it's going to be on the screen, he, he builds His church. Jesus builds His church. He leads it, He's over it, and He's responsible for growing it. Aren't you thankful for that? He's responsible for building the church. In Matthew chapter 16, I'm going to give you a lot of passages this morning, so hang with me. Matthew chapter 16, 13 through 18. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Him. Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And others say Jeremiah 
but one of the other prophets. Then he asked him, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Did you hear that? And the powers of hell will not conquer it. And the people of God said, Jesus made the claim that he will build the church. That he is responsible for his bride. That he will take care of the church. Jesus is over. Jesus will build his church. He, he goes on to tell them later that it's by the gospel. His story. The story in him and him alone is how sons and daughters are grafted in, how they're adopted in to the kingdom of God. So not only does he say, I will build the church, he says, I will be the one in which the church will be built on. It's me and my gospel. Salvation in and through me. That's how the church grows. So the church, his church, and the local context, Holland Chapel, right here for you and I, is his. Do you believe that the sign out front, that the people are represented in here, this is his church? Do you believe that? I need you with me in that. Holland Chapel is his church. We have to understand that. In whatever season that we're going through, I think we're going to go into an incredible season, an exciting season, a new, fresh, awesome season. We have to maintain the focus that Jesus is leading the church, and Jesus is going to build His church. It's not built by human hands. We are privileged enough to be used by God, but it is built by Him. We have to make sure that we understand that. God will build His church. Now, what about your, your leaders? Again, I want to teach you. We've got a lot of young Christians. We've got a lot of young people that are coming to faith, and they need to understand the structure. That God is over it all. Jesus builds His church. What about pastors? I thought, I thought they were leaders. What, about, what do we do with pastors? In our membership class, they're learning right now that the pastors are not the leaders of the church. What? Let me explain. Pastors are not the leaders of His church. Jesus is over it. We've already read that. Acts 20, 28. It says, so guard yourself and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, His church. His church. Purchased with His own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. He's speaking to pastors and elders. Over which the Holy Spirit has appointed pastors. We can do nothing without the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand something about the pastors here at Holland Chapel. I can't speak for all churches. I can speak for Holland Chapel. 
that we are not God. We don't claim to be God. We don't claim all authority. We claim the authority of God and His Word. That's what your pastors do. Your pastors are simply used by God to shepherd this particular church. What does that mean? Just what Scripture says. We guard, we shepherd, we watch over, we teach your souls. But apart from Christ, we cannot do that. He uses us to lead. But it's His. It's always been His. It'll always be His. Now with that responsibility, I want you to understand, we don't take that lightly. Why don't we take that lightly? I want to read this verse. Hebrews chapter 13, 17. It says, obey your spiritual leaders. Do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. This next part is very humbling for your leaders. And they are accountable to God. We are accountable to God for how we shepherd you. I will answer one day in heaven in front of Jesus on how I shepherded you. So I have to make sure that my ego, that I don't overstep my bounds, that I understand that I am directed by God. It's not what Luke wants. It's not what Nick wants. It's not what Grant wants. or Keith, Like, it's what God wants. And we're going to answer for that one day. Give them the reason to do this with joy and not sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. It's a mutual relationship that we enter here as Holland Chapel. Please understand this. Your pastors are not supreme. We're not over this thing. We are shepherded by the good shepherd. It's his church. We just have the humbling privilege of being your leaders and shepherding you. But God is over it all. Jesus leaves and Jesus builds his church. So what kind of benefit does this bring us as a church knowing that Jesus leaves? What does that do for us as a church? Knowing that Jesus leads, I'm going to work through three things. So I want you to write these down. Three things that, that knowing Jesus is leading the way does for us. The first thing, that takes the weight off our shoulders. Takes the weight off of our shoulders. Let's go back to that Everest illustration. There's no doubt that those that climb Everest are nervous and they're scared. Can you imagine all the emotions that you might feel attempting that, knowing it could be your last moments? Can you imagine? But if they've done their part, they've done their preparation, they've taken care of their bodies, they've, they've found the right expedition service, they can show up with some semblance of confidence, right? They can trust, hey, I've done everything that I need to do. I put all the trust and the, and the, and the faith that I have in, in this organization to get me to the top. And man, you got to breathe easy a little bit. It's, it's no different for us as a church. Then when we're, we're facing a new season, when we're facing some uncertainty, with excitement, no doubt, but knowing that Jesus is leading the way, church, it takes a little weight off our shoulders, doesn't it? Like we can breathe a little bit easier knowing that, that Jesus is going to lead the way, that Jesus is going to take care of us, that He's gone before, He's going to make a way. We can, in fact, breathe easy. We don't have to try so hard. 
doesn't mean that we don't put effort. But man, we can, we can trust, right? We can trust that, that Jesus is going to be good. Exodus chapter 13, wonderful story. 21 and 22. Let's read it and I'll share with you what's going on here. It says, The Lord went ahead of them, the Israelites. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, shade. And he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. What's happening here in Exodus? The Israelites have been released from Egypt. Pharaoh says, you can go. And if you read the story, it's, it's fascinating. What God did for the Israelites is he, he took them on an unknown path. If, if they, and this is what Scripture said, if, if they would have gone down the easy route, down the, the known path, they more than likely would have encountered conflict. And he said, I don't want them to fight because they might be discouraged. And if they get discouraged, they'll turn their back and they'll go back to slavery. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take them down an unknown road, but I'm not going to leave them. I'm not going to let them find this new route by themselves. I'm going to go before them. And what does Scripture say? He's the cloud and He's the fire. So God goes before His people, getting them to the promised land, what He said He would do. And He goes before them. He makes a way. Not only does He show them the way, but He protects them along the way. That's a good God. So for us as Holland Chapel, we can trust. Are you hearing me? We can trust that God the Father, not only is He leading right now, but He is so far down the line, we cannot comprehend it, church. He, he knows what's ahead of us. Not only does He know what's ahead of us, He's made the way. And not only does He make the way, He shows us the way. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to walk around lost. We trust Him and He leads us. Do you believe that? So when that happens, church, we can rest easy. The weight is lifted off of our shoulders when we're facing a new season, when we're facing exciting, wonderful opportunities. Like, like God's gone before. He's made the way and He will take care of us. What about a New Testament reference? John chapter 10, verse 27. This is what Jesus says. He's using the sheep shepherd illustration. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. What's the significance here? Jesus paints himself in the light of a good shepherd. What does a shepherd do? He protects the flock, and He leads them to greener pastures. The good shepherd takes care of the sheep. So Jesus is speaking about us. Don't be insulted. Some of you are like, I'm not a sheep. I'm a wolf. No, we're, we're sheep. And we follow Jesus, don't we? When He speaks, we go. When He speaks, we listen. Why? Because He's a good shepherd. He knows the way. And He, uh, uh, I, need you, I need you with me. And He, listen to me church, will take care 
of Holland Chapel, do you believe that? He's a good shepherd. So we can rest easy. God is going to take care of Holland Chapel. The second thing that I want you to write down is that we don't have to be trendy. We just preach Jesus. Let me explain this one. We do not have to be a trendy church to receive the favor of God. We just preach Jesus. That's what we do. So many churches, and I'm not talking bad about the bride of Christ, please hear me. But churches, if they aren't careful, get caught up in trying to imitate a sinful culture. They lose sight of what's important. In their valiant attempt to try to win people to Jesus, they try to look like the world. We're not called to look like the world. We are salt and we are light. We look different than the lost world. Very much different. So churches, they they lose sight of what's really important. Much of the time, it starts with good intentions to win people to Jesus. But if they aren't careful, they run down a slippery slope. Also, churches try to outdo other churches. And that makes me sick to my stomach. We, as Bible-believing churches, let's categorize it, are not fighting against one another. We are with one another, promoting and elevating the name of Jesus. We we work together. Holland Chapel is not trying to be the church in town. Do you hear me? We're We're not trying to be that. We're not trying to be trendy. We're not trying to be catchy. We're not trying to be flashy. We're trying to be all about Jesus. And if we do that, he'll bless. We're not trying to be a trendy church. Now, what do I mean by this? I'm going to give some scripture here in a second. What do I mean by this? I'm not saying, listen to me, I'm not saying that we shouldn't pursue excellence in everything we do. We should be a church that exudes excellence in everything. We should be a church that uses creativity. We serve a God who is the creator. Of course, we need to be creative. Of course, we need to use talents. Of course, we need to make sure that we're doing everything we possibly can to lift high the name of Jesus. But we do not change the message of Jesus. We don't water down the gospel. We don't take an approach from the stage in which more people show up. We We don't do that. We, we, we preach Jesus. And everything that we do, we try to do very well because we serve the God of excellence, amen? But we're not trying to be a trendy church. We're trying to be a church that preaches Jesus. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, also known as the Great Commission, says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He's telling his disciples this baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus gives his disciples what we commonly refer to as the Great Commission. 
which is, without a doubt, the most successful and simple way of kingdom growth. There is not a method, there is not a trend, there is not a book or organization that can outdo God's method. God says, take the gospel everywhere you go. Take the gospel to everyone. Preach the gospel to everyone. And people will come to Jesus. He says that in his his word. He's going to be faithful to the preaching of the gospel. And when people come to Jesus, you disciple them. What does that mean? Grow them in the likeness of Christ. And as they grow in the likeness of Christ, they can't contain it within them. Then they go and they share the gospel. And more people come to Christ. Do you see how that works? That is his method. It's not trendy. It's not flashy. It's simple. But guess what, church? It works. That's the gospel message. That's how the gospel goes forward. What do I mean by the gospel? I want to make that very clear. The gospel is this, that the Son of God came in a virgin birth, and His name was Jesus. And He lived a sinless life. And He had to die a horrific death on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. But He didn't stay dead, church. He rose three days later. And now he lives and rolls and reigns in heaven. And for everyone that repents of their sin and they believe in him, they'll have eternal life. That's the gospel. We preach that. We we preach that message. And Jesus says, "You, you preach that? I'll build my church. Matthew 24, 14. Jesus is speaking of the end times and this is what he says. And the good news about the kingdom, it's the gospel, will be preached throughout the whole world. Why is this significant? So that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. Why is this particular passage of Scripture significant? Because Jesus makes the promise that the gospel will be preached to all nations. He's going to make sure of that. Not only does he make sure that the gospel will be preached to all nations, but he's going to make sure that the gospel is preached here in Saline County. And my aim, hopefully our aim as Holland Chapel, is to be found faithful doing just that, church. That we will be a church that preaches the gospel here where we are. Preach Jesus, Holland Chapel, and Jesus will save. Do you believe it? We don't have to change the message. The gospel's always worked. Preach Jesus, and he'll build his church. The third thing I want you to write down says this. Knowing that Jesus leads, if we are obedient, he'll bless. We just have to be a church that is found being faithful. We've got to be obedient. We've got to do what he asks us to do as Holland Chapel. I want to read this story over you, and we're going to talk about it. It's a blessing. Luke chapter 5, 4 through 11. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, same God that he says, I'm going to build my church with. Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all last night 
and didn't catch a thing. How many fishermen in the room know the feeling? Didn't catch a thing. But he says, if you say so, if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Can you imagine what was going through his mind? How's this going to be any different? And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. They shout for help, brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Why did he say this? He recognized for the first time who Jesus really was. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partner, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Did you catch the story? No pun intended. They said, if you say so. Why is this so significant? They'd been trying it their way, and it hadn't been working. They were tired. They're exhausted. They, they, they told Jesus, hey, listen, we've been out there all night. Ain't nothing in there, man. That, like, that's a dead sea. Like There's no fish to be found. And he says, go out a little deeper and chunk out your nets and see what happens. And Jesus shows up, performs a miracle, and they were amazed. But I want you to catch something about the story. Listen to me. The, the story is not about the miracle. You hearing me? The, 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 the point of this story is not that Jesus does miracles and can fill nets so heavy that they sink a boat. That's not the point. In, in their obedience, J Jesus came through and showed Himself, but the significance of the story is, is their calling. Jesus was calling them out. He says, listen, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Like, follow me, and, and people will be added to the kingdom. So what does this mean for Holland Chapel? That if we are obedient, if, if we always have the mantra, if you say so, like what does this mean for us? Does this mean in our obedience that God's going to bless us with a multi-million dollar facility? No. D does this mean in our obedience that God will, will make Holland Chapel the place to be in Saline County? No. What, what does this mean for us if we are an obedient church? What this means for Holland Chapel is if we are found faithful, listen to me, the nets of the kingdom will be full. That God will use Holland Chapel to bring many people to Him. That church is the blessing. That church is Him being faithful to the calling. That's what He wants out of us. To have the mindset, to have the mantra, if you say so. Are we willing, as a church, to submit everything to a holy God and say, if you say so? Maybe we've tried it before a hundred times, ain't worked. But if you say so, 
will do it. And the blessing will come in many souls being saved, church. Would you be okay with that? Would you be okay with many coming to saving faith in Jesus Christ? I want to be found faithful one day, standing in front of a holy God, saying, we did everything we possibly could in obedience so that many would hear the name of Jesus Christ. I pray for Holland Chapel that we would be a church that's found faithful in whatever new season that God is leading us in. Can I pray for you? God, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the instruction. Thank you for the guidance. Thank you for the wisdom that it brings. And God, I'm so grateful for all that you're doing here at Holland Chapel. We stand in awe, amazed, humbled that you are using us, this little church in Saline County, to impact the world with the gospel of Jesus. God, I pray that you would continue to have your hand of favor on us. Please don't take it from us. Continue to use us in every way to bring people to your son, Jesus. For he is the hope of the world. Help us to be uh, found faithful, saying, if you say so. Help us, God, to do that. Thank you for the story of the gospel. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for loving us enough to provide a way out. Thank you for your son. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen.